sermon. Well, uh, it is prayer and healing school. Uh, we're largely focusing on healing. In fact, the Lord told us to go through and look at every healing that takes place in the Bible, and we started in um, the Gospels. So we're going through the Gospels right now, as you guys know. Um, and last week, we, were in, we started in Matthew chapter 9. Uh, so let's, let's uh, turn to Matthew chapter 9, and let's pray, and uh, we'll get right into the Word. You told me to turn to chapter 9. You did. Now we're waiting on you to pray. <laughs> we can pray right. with you. All right. Well, Lord, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for being here with us. Lord, we just love you, and we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for healing in our bodies, and we thank you for teaching us about healing so that, that not only can we have healing in our bodies, but we can lay hands on others and that they have healing in their bodies. Thank you, Lord. And, Lord, we just, we just thank you for, for your word, that it builds faith, and that, and that by hearing and hearing and hearing, we build faith in, this, in, in, in your ability to heal through us and in us. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. amen. Well, we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 9. We're going to pick up um, in verse uh, 27, verse 927. We're going to read verses starting in verse 927 down to verse 38, uh, just to jog our memory from last week and to get the anointing flowing and to get things going. We're not going to do much commentary at all because we did all the commentary last week so let's just pick up and get the word in us to jog our memory so starting in verse 27 27 all right and when jesus departed thence two blind men followed him crying and saying thou son of david have mercy on us and when he was come into the house the blind men came to him and jesus saith unto them believe ye that i am able to do this they said unto him Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. So we, 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 when it, we really broke this down last week. This is the only account in the Gospels of the two blind men being healed. And we really broke this down, and we saw that uh, the blind men um, said something did something, and they, were re- and they were healed according to their faith. Uh, Jesus required, basically, Jesus uh, did not, this, the first time they called, Jesus didn't respond um, because he wanted to see them operating in faith. Uh, healing, to obtain healing, always requires a measurement of faith. And God's given to every believer a measure of faith. Um, but we have to do something with our measure of faith if you leave your measure of faith just sitting in the canister and never do anything to activate it or to grow it, it's not going to do a whole lot for you. Um, so we saw that. Now let's keep reading um, and pick up a few other things here. All right. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake. And the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casteth out devils through the prince of devils. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, 
and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, I want you to notice verse 34. It says, but the Pharisees said, he casts out the devils through the, uh, through the prince of the devils. There was just a little commentary side note here, and then it doesn't give us much more information. That verse is going to be very critical to, to the rest of teachings tonight, to the teachings tonight. So I just want you to keep verse 34 in mind. Um, verse 33, verse 32 and 33, we see that, again, uh, Jesus has to cast out a demon in order to get somebody healed. This seems to be a theme uh, continually all through the Gospels that uh, a lot of times Jesus, when he was healing people, wasn't so much dealing with the sickness directly as much as he was dealing with the spirits behind the sickness. And some people were oppressed and some people were possessed with demons. Um, and he had to cast them out. And once the demon was gone, the person would be miraculously healed. Uh, so, you know, I, I said this last week. Um, our, we've got great skills in, um, in our medical ability in the secular world, in our nation. We've got one of the best uh, medical abilities across the world. However, there's a lot of things that medical science is unable to do, and a lot of times they run into walls and say, well, we don't know what's wrong, or we think this is what's wrong, but the things that should bring healing aren't bringing healing, and we don't know why. Well, it's because they're not dealing with the spirit or the root of the sickness, which is a demon. Um, so sometimes in order to get healed, you've got to deal with the demonic power behind it. Um, and that's what Jesus did time and time and time again. But now I want you to look at verse 33, and it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages. Oh, 35. In verse 35, he said he went about all the cities and the villages. So we said last week that this, these healings that we're looking at were healings that took place over a period of several months, if not even a year, of Jesus' ministry. So what Matthew is doing is Matthew is taking a period of time of several months to a year, and he's kind of packing it all together and telling us about all of the different things that happened in that particular traveling with Jesus in one flow. Um, because it said, and Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, which means um, this is happening everywhere he goes. And it said, now the other thing I want you to notice is it says he was teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He was teaching and preaching. Before you can get anybody healed, you have to teach them the word. If there's no teaching, there's no faith. How does faith come? By hearing. By hearing. What are they hearing? They have to hear a teaching. They have to hear preaching. So Jesus knew the first thing you have to do to get somebody healed is you have to teach them. Every time I have ever, the Lord has ever sent me to, to, heal, to have, lay hands on anybody and get them healed, I always have taught them. Now, a teaching doesn't have to be an hour-and-a-half, two-hour sermon. It can be a quick little five-minute thing. Quick little five-minute thing. 
I've sat down with teenagers time and time again, especially at camp and first year. You get, you're at camp, some little punky kid gets, you know, I don't mean punky as in ugly. I'm just saying teenagers. We all know teenagers can be kind of punky sometimes. But you get some little teenager in, the, in, in first aid with a scraped knee or an upset tummy or, you know, they've cut their hand or whatever. And, and you know, and, and immediately the tough teenager becomes a whiny, pitiful child immediately so there's been plenty of times that i've gone in you know of course we take care of them naturally first you know make sure they're taken care of naturally and then i come in behind them and i'll sit down with them and kind of talk to them for a few minutes and then i'll i'll begin to tell them i'll say do you know that you were made in the image of god i guess i'm supposed to know that well yeah that's what genesis says in genesis chapter one Verse 27, it says, you're made in the image of God. You're a spirit, soul, and a body. Jesus is the Father God, is the Father God, the Son, the Holy Ghost. God's got three parts, you've got three parts. You've got a spirit on the inside. That spirit man can, ca carries the power of God on the inside. It does? Yeah, it does. Do you know what Mark 11, 23, and 24 says? Well, no. Something, some of them say, well, it says something about a mountain. Okay, well, you've been halfway listening to your, pre your pastor. Good job. Good job. Praise the Lord. Well, here's what it says. Jesus said, the first thing that Jesus says is, verily, verily. And I said, when, when Jesus says, verily, verily, he's trying to get your attention. He's calling you by your first, middle, and last name, and he's saying, listen to me. I am telling you the truth. Kind of like when my mama gets mad at you. She's talking to the teenagers. Okay. I said, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever shall say, shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believeth that whatsoever he saith, he shall have whatsoever he saith. They go, Huh? I said, Here's what it basically said. Jesus said, If you have a mountain like an injury, you can speak to the injury, command it to be healed, command the pain to go, the healing has to take place, the pain has to leave, and you can have it. I can? Yes. And then, I t and then I take them over there to the book of Mark. And I said, you know, in the book of Mark, it says that if we're a believer, we can lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. It does? Yeah, it does. Oh. I said, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay hands. I said, and this is what I tell them. I said, now, I'm not going to lay hands on you. Or maybe if they're baby, baby, baby. I'm going to lay hands on you, but you're, but, but you're going to lay hands on yourself, too. So let's say he's injured their knee. I said, put your hand. I said, you do what I do. Because Paul said to follow me as I follow Jesus. So I'm going to tell you, you follow me as I follow Jesus. I'm going to teach you something. Okay. I said, put your hand on your knee. Put your hand on your knee. Okay. Repeat after me. Father, your word says, Father, your... No. Is that how I said it? I didn't say it all wimpy and sad. Father, say it with some boldness. You got any siblings? Yeah, I got siblings. You ever get on your nerves? Yeah, they get on my nerves. You ever yell at them and shout at them? Yeah, I yell at them and shout at them. Well, that's what I want you to do to your knee. Oh, okay. They still feel weird, but that's okay. I'm trying to get authority out of them. So, all right, you repeat after me with some boldness like you're yelling at your sibling. Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, your word said I could speak to my knee. And they carry on. Your word says that my knee, that I, that I could command my knee to be healed and the pain to leave in Jesus' name. They say that. I say, now, knee, be healed, pain, go, in Jesus' name. 
No go. It still hurts. Don't let that come out of your mouth teaching them. No, we don't say that. So the Bible says that you will recover. You will recover. Then I'll say, now get up and walk. And they'll go. I said, no, I didn't say get up and limp. I said, get up and walk. Uh, I can't. Yes, you can. The Bible says you're healed. Now you're healed. First Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes you were healed. If you were healed, then you are healed. Now walk. No, start. Uh, uh, I said, no. Walk normal and say out of your mouth, I'm healed and I have no pain. I'm healed and I have no pain. I'm healed and I have no pain. But I do have pain. I didn't tell you to tell me what you feel. I told you to say what the word says. Get him to walk the floor three or four times. About the second, about halfway through the second or third time, they go, "Wow, that wow, that works." I said, "I know you're healed. Get out of the first aid room." What did I do? I taught them. See, it doesn't take a thirty-minute lesson. Teach them. Put the word to work. That's what Jesus was doing. Jesus was teaching them. He was teaching the people, and look at what it says, and preaching the gospel and healing a few sick folk. Nope. Healing minor ailments. Every disease. Every sickness and every disease only among the Jews. No. Only among the saved. No. Only among the priesthood. No. No. Among who? The people. The people. All people. God is no respecter of persons. He'll heal all people. All. Let's keep it at verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad, as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers unto his harvest. Now we stopped right here because here in, in the next chapter he sends out the 12 and there's a healing teaching there. But we got to go look at this in some other scriptures because we're comparing scripture to scripture. So here's what we know. We know that Jesus is traveling from city, and, from city to city, village to village. So this is taking a period of months. We know that the blind men were healed. We know that the demon-possessed man was set free. We know that every uh, sickness was healed. We know that every disease was healed. So we know that he's doing these things. But in typical Matthew fashion, Matthew doesn't give us a lot of details. So we've got to go look at some other things. Now, I've told you to keep in mind verse 34 about he ca- that the Pharisees said he casts out devils through the devil. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind, and let's go to. Um, that's not where I need to be. That was pride no, this morning. We need to go to Mark uh, chapter three. Mark chapter three. And we touched on this one last week too. Mark chapter three. And we're going to start. We started in verse one. So let's read verses, uh, Mark 3, verses 1 through, I don't know, we'll get down here to 10 or so. 1 through 10. All right. And he entered in again into the synagogue. 
And there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on, sa on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which, he, which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil, to save life, or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. Now I'll pause right here. Did, in, in Matthew's account, did we hear anything about the man with the withered hand? No. We didn't. We didn't. So, Pastor, are we in the same area and on the same thing? We are. I'm going to show it to you. So let's look at this man with a withered hand for just a minute. We really broke this down last week also. But let's just pull a couple things out. It says that, that number one, where was Jesus? Verse one, where was he? In the synagogue. He was in the synagogue. What? Jesus is in the church on a Sunday afternoon. Well, there's Saturday. Imagine that. What? Jesus is in the church on church day. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees said, you can't heal him. How much you know people have that mentality today? You can't get healed in the house of God. No, the house, Jesus, the Bible calls Jesus the great physician. The church is his body. The church is his dwell. He, he, he dwells in the, in the members of the church. He's the indwelling. And when the church, when the people, born again believers, are gathered together, listen, that word church, let me help you. Let me help you. The word church literally means public assembly the word church does not mean me and jesus the word church does not mean me myself and i you the individual by yourself i'm gonna kick a sacred cow really hard you by yourself is not the church you're not the bible says that jesus is the head of the church Church meaning public assembly. So Jesus is the head of the public assembly. Who is the public? Does that mean that any assembly where there's people, Jesus is the head of it? No. Specifically, it means the public assembly of the people called out of their home by God to a place. Led, they are led by God to a place of public assembly for the purpose of instruction, edification, and correction. That's the church. The church is when God pulls on your heart and says, come on, get out of your house, go to this public place, assemble with the believers that I have connected you to so that you can worship me, so that you can be built up, so that you can be taught and instructed, so that you can be corrected, so that you can grow up and become mature Christians, so that you can go out and do the work. That's the church. That's what they did in the synagogues. So we're no more, indiv individually, we're no more the church than a big toe. Sure. So if, if that's a big toe, is that part of your body? Just is that part of your toe. body? It's a part of your body. It's, it's not part of my body. Why? Why isn't it part of our body? Right. So all my toes are connected. Your, your body is assembled. 
That toe is not assembled with anybody. So it's not part of our bodies. Just for clarification, there's not a severed toe in the middle of our floor. It's no, a piece of paper it, representing a piece of the paper, toe. Just for, so they can look at it. But, but just, like the, just like this big toe has to be assembled with a body to be part of the body, we have to be assembled with the church to be, to be the church. To be the body of Christ. Right? <laughs> sometimes churches have body parts that don't belong in them. And sometimes, most of the time, in fact, most of the time, most churches are missing a large percentage of their body parts. Amen. Look All around. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so here Jesus, look at this. Jesus is in the church. He's assembled with the believers, the Jews. He's assembled there. Um, he's wanting to do the work of God. And the body parts are all looking at him going, you're not allowed to do any great work today. Today is our resting day. We rest today. Nothing gets done in the church. There's to be no power, no movement, no anything in the church today. Right? Right. <laughs> right? But that was their attitude because they were legalistic and the Sabbath is the day of rest and there's to be no rest. Or there's no to be no work. There should be no work. Other than the preachers that are reading, reading right. the Bible right. or reading the Old Testament. <laughs> and they watched him. Now, now look at this. They watched. So here, here are the people in the synagogue, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the, uh, the Jews, all watched to see if Jesus would break the law on the Sabbath. See, they said, well, we know he's healing and he's in our house today and today is the Sabbath. Is he going to break the law? They sat back down and they sat back and said, hmm, let's watch the show. That's what they did. They were looking. They were looking to watch the show. And here's why they wanted to watch it. So that they might accuse him. How much do you know? This is a good indicator that uh, religious spirit's behind it. Because Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Listen, listen. If you've got this thing about accusing people, you better watch who's influencing that behavior. You better watch who it is. And he saith unto the men which had the withered hand, uh, stand forth. How much do you know? Listen. It's so funny. It is so funny. We had a mighty move of God this morning. Had a good, strong power move of God. And I could just hear in my spirit, don't you dare call me. Don't you dare call me. Don't you call me out. I'm not going up there. I don't want to be, I don't want to be in front of everybody. I don't want everybody seeing me. And I definitely don't want to be on that camera. Listen, how much do you know that man felt the same way? He knew the scornfulness of those people. Now, he's got a choice to make. Am I going to step up and let God do what God wants to do? Or am I going to hold back and say, mm -mm, not today, Jesus. You're not. I mean, yeah, that hand would be nice if it was healed, but not today. <laughs> no, that man had to stand up. He had to stand forth. And then Jesus, while he's standing there, we've had this happen, call somebody up for prayer, and then I'll say, just stand there. And then I address the congregation. Why? Well, Jesus did it. <laughs> All the reason I need, Jesus did it. <laughs> Jesus said to the people, because he knew, he knew what was in their hearts. 
He said, and here's the deal. Jesus didn't know what was in his heart because he was God. Or what was in their heart? Jesus did not know what was in the heart of the men and the women that were there because he was God. A lot of people look at Jesus and look at the stuff that Jesus did in his day and said, well, he was able to do it because he was God. I used to be that person. Well, he's the son of God. Let me tell you something. That day, he was the son of man. When he left his heavenly throne and was placed in the womb of a virgin, every bit of godly ability was stripped from him. Every ounce of godly ability was stripped from Jesus. His, his God power was not stripped at the cross. His God power was not stripped in the grave. His God power was stripped when he willingly laid it down. And he willingly laid it down and he lived 33, 30 years as a man just like the rest of us. Holy he got, he had to deal with the punky teenagers of his day. He had to deal with brothers and sisters and moms and dads. He had to, do, he had to go through life. He had to go through school just like we go through school. His school was different, but still, he still had to go through school. He did life just like we did life, with no God ability. Jesus did no ministry and no mighty works until, the, until after he was baptized in the River Jordan, and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. Then he went and spent 40 days and 40 nights in the desert getting acquainted with with the with his spiritual self and his spiritual father and then he came out of the then he came out saying i only say and do what my father says and do father says and does we need to have the same mentality we don't need to say well sometimes i do what the devil says and does and sometimes i do what my flesh says and does and sometimes i do what god says and does no we need to train ourselves that we do we do and say what the Father does and says, just like Jesus. So how did Jesus know what was in their heart? The, the word of knowledge. The spiritual gifts went into operation. The Holy Spirit spoke to his spirit and said, they're looking to accuse you, son. They're looking to say, they're looking to, the Spirit said, the Spirit moved on him to heal, and, 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 and he paused, and he was probably like, mm, you know, just him and God, God, I don't want to know if I want to do that. And the Spirit said, are you going to obey or not? And Jesus had to obey. Jesus had to obey. But, but the Holy Spirit said, they're looking to accuse you. They're looking to accuse you. And so Jesus responded with the wisdom of God. He listened to the Spirit. He, now remember in another scripture he said, I only say and do what, it, what I hear my Father say and do. So in his spirit he heard this, and then he spoke it. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? Listen, how much you know there's no good answer on that. There's no good answer. Because if you say, well, it's, it's, it's God's day, so we should do evil, how much do you know? <laughs> how much do you know? What? What? God is good, and it's his day, and you're going to do evil on his day? Like, wait, what? And if they say, well, 
We should save. We should do good. Oh, then I can heal him. But they're looking to accuse him. See, there's no win-win. If you will be slow to speak and quick to hear the Spirit, the Holy Ghost will make you seem like a genius. See, Jesus seemed like a genius. Uh, but they held their peace. <laughs> In other words, they said, this is not a question to answer. Let's, let's not answer this. It says, and when he looked around about them with what? Anger. The world says Jesus is love, love, love all the time. He's accepting of everything. Everything. I can do whatever I want to do because Jesus has already paid the price. I can live any way I want because we all go to heaven. He said he was angry with them. Angry. Anger. Now, anger didn't cause him to sin, but he. But anger, anger says displeased. And being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. He looked at these people and said, Seriously? You'd rather we follow the law than see your brethren who's suffering deal with sickness? We should, when we have somebody come into the church with sickness, we should instantly be moved with compassion. We should be. We should be instantly moved with compassion. We should go into a place of intercession immediately in our spirit. Father, is there faith to be healed? Father, what can I do to build up their faith? Father, Father, what can I do? What can I do? Compassion. But so many times people walk in the church. This crippled person is walking so slow. I'm trying to get to my seat and they're blocking me. It happens. I don't understand why they got to prop their leg up on that chair next to them. Don't they know I need this? Don't they know that's irreverent? Don't you know their legs stuck in that position? They need divine healing? Come on, we should be moved with compassion. Come on, be moved with compassion. He, so he was grieved because of the hardness of their hearts. And he saith unto the man, stretch forth thy hand. Now, Jesus has all the power of heaven in on him. If Jesus wanted to heal, if Jesus uh, wanted to, does he have enough power to heal that man's hand with his hand in his pocket? Probably. He's got the power, but he doesn't have the legal ability. God works by the law of faith, and the law of faith requires an action. Requires an action. If the person will not step out in faith, then faith will not operate. There's the law of uh, action. You know, even in even in this world, we have the law of um, action and reaction. You know, you bounce, you you throw a ball up in the air. Guess what? It's coming back down. You know, we did an action, and an action responded. The law of faith operates the same way. Jesus needed that man to stretch forth his hand in faith. That man needed a word from heaven to respond to. Jesus 
gave the word, stretch forth thy hand, the man said, here's the hand. See, when Jesus said, stretch forth the hand, that's like the Father God reaching down. You know, the Father, Jesus said, um, Father goes in, Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. Immediately, the hand of God comes down. The power of God is right there to heal. But that man has to reach out and touch that power by faith, by faith. So he, so he told that man, so he told the man, he said, stretch forth thy hand. And what did the man do? He stretched it out. And what happened? And his hand was restored whole as the other. All it took. Does it say that Jesus pled and begged and bartered and stealed and killed Stephen to get the healing to take place? No. He told the man. He spoke the word. The man responded to the word and healing took place. But obviously the man was, but it doesn't, now here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that while Jesus was teaching, a man walked through the door and Jesus motioned for him to the front. See, the man came and heard the teaching to begin with. The man was already in the house. The man could have been mad at God and said, well, God gave me this withered hand, so what do I have to do with him? I ain't going in that synagogue. But the man didn't say that. The man said, withered hand or not, I'm going to serve the Lord my God. I'm going in the house. And he went in the house, and he heard the teaching, and then the Lord spoke to him. And when the Lord spoke, stretched forth the hand, the hand got stretched out, and he got healed. Let's read a little bit more. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea. And a great multitude from Galilee followed him from, and from Judea and from Jerusalem and from Idumea and from beyond Jordan. And they about Tyre and Sidon. A great multitude, when they had heard what great things he did, came unto him. And he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. For he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him, as many as had plagues. And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. Now, we saw in Matthew that he was going from city to city and village to village. Right here in verses um, 7 and 8, they list seven of the cities that Jesus likely was at. Because likely he went in and he taught, and not everybody from that city was there. So likely he went in and taught and healed, and then he left and went to the next city. Meanwhile, the prior city is all abuzz. And they're saying to the sick and the demon-possessed and, 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 the, and the injured, they're saying, from what we understand, he was leaving here and he was going to Judea. If I was you, I'd get on that road. I'd take your sick family. I'd get on the road to Judea and I'd go follow him. More than likely, that was what was happening. So he ended up with these people from, he listed seven different places, cities and villages, and they were all following him. And look in verse 9. It says, And he spoke to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. People were coming to touch. So many people come to touch, but not to hear. And Jesus knew that if they touched and didn't get taught, they wouldn't get healed. 
So Jesus wanted to set up a position to where he could be heard of the people, kind of put some distance between him and the people, where the people would have to listen to him. And then once they were taught, he was able to get out of the ship, and then they could touch him, and then they could be healed. So many people try to come in without listening. I said this last week. We've been in services. I've seen it. I've experienced it. People come into the house saying, you know, seeing in the Word where they can have hands laid on them and get healed. And they'll hear about a minister and that this that healing ministry follows this minister. And they'll come to the service. They might even come in a little bit late. They might get up and go to the bathroom multiple times. They'll even disrupt the pastor or the minister while they're speaking and say, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Can you just go ahead and lay hands on me? Can we just get to the laying on hands part? What are they doing? They're refusing to listen to the teaching. And therefore, when the minister does minister healing under the anointing, it's not going to work for them. It's not going to work. Because first you must hear the teaching and the preaching. First, faith must come. And then you can respond. Then you can respond. Um, so he said, he said, put him in, like, get me a boat so I can stand in the boat and preach. Stand so I can stand in the boat and preach. And then I can heal. Because uh, notice he said, he said, I, I got I to back away from the people because they're, they're touching me with the touch of curiosity. And it's detracting from what God wants to do. Um, listen, when God is moving, I'm going to take a side journey here. I'm going to take a rabbit trail. A lot of times in a service, God will be ministering to somebody's heart. And tears will be running down their cheeks. They may even shake and quake under the power of God. They may even get on their face before God. God is working. God is more than capable of completing the work that he started in that person. God does not need your assistance in that moment. If you want to assist God in that, move, in that moment, just pray silently to yourself in tongues. Don't go up there and touch the person and get in the way. Don't get up in the way of it. Just let God handle it. Just let God do it. God can handle it. But so many people want to inject themselves. And, and honestly, when that happens, a lot of times you break the anointing, you break the spirit, and the person doesn't get delivered. Your intentions were well. Your heart was well. But your behavior disrupted God. So, uh, so that's the reason that Jesus said, Jesus said, put me in the boat, get me away from the people. Because if they're focused on touching me, then God can't do what God needs to do. So we've got to learn that when, when we need healing, we've got to be willing to take the time to step away and listen to the Lord, to listen. Then after he taught in verse 10, it says, For he had healed many, mm -hmm. for he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him as many as had plagues. Listen, Jesus was absolutely surrounded by people touching him. And guess what? Those that touched him with the touch of faith got healed. Yep. They all, they all, the reason why they were 
just seeking to touch him is because they'd heard about the woman with the issue of blood. They'd heard that all she had to do was touch but the hem of his robe, and she was completely and instantly healed. So they were like, I'm going to do that too. But sometimes God, sometimes God can do that or will do that. But most of the time he wants, he wants you to hear, or he wants your faith to do it. So yeah. you have to build that faith. Yeah. You know, you can touch Jesus all day long, but if there's no faith, it's not going to work. And, and remember, just work. because she had just touched the hem of his robe, she had already heard about it. And she had already declared. She, she'd already, she had already built that faith. She knew that she knew that she knew that all she had to do was touch him, and that would be sure. it. Which is why we have healing school. You know, we don't, we don't lay hands on people a lot of times in healing school so far. Because we've got to break years and years and years of false teaching when it comes to healing. Many people have heard all the days of their life, God will heal you if he wants to. God can heal you if he wants to, but, but, you don't, but there's no way for you to know the will of God. Yes, you can. That's why it's called the last will and testament. The will, his will is his word. So what we're doing is we're going through the legal document and we're finding out, is it God's will to heal? And we've yet to see one case where Jesus said, well, I can heal you. But I'm not going to. But I'm not going to. We've yet to find one case of that. Now, we have seen where Jesus said, be healed according to your faith. faith. He put the healing back on the person. He said, yeah, I can do it. Yeah, here's the power. In fact, I'll give you all the power I've got to get you healed. But what level of faith do you have? And then people get into error and say, well, if I just had enough faith to get healed. Well, honey, you do have enough faith. Because the Bible says that if you had the faith of the grain of a seed of must, a mustard seed, that you, could, that you could obtain whatever you needed from God. The Bible says that you've been given a measure of faith. A measure is more than a mustard seed. But what you have to do is you have to exercise your faith and build up your trust. Faith is simply trust in God. So you've got to get to the place where you can trust God and you know, basically you know that you're healed more than you know that you're sick. Do you hear me? You've got to get to the place that you know more, know better that you're healed than know that you're sick. Because your body will talk to you all day long. You're sick, you're sick, you're sick, you're in pain, you're in misery, you're in pain, you're in misery. Oh, you're sick, you're sick, you're sick, you need a new spine. Oh, you're going to die and go in the grave. You're sick, you're sick, you're sick, you're sick, you're sick. You'll hear it all day long whether you're trying to hear it or not. You sit down in your recliner for a little while and then you try to get up. Oh, man, oh, man, does the body talk to you then? You know, you sleep, on the, you, sleep on your, you sleep in the bed wrong, and you get up in the morning. Oh, man, you know. You get up to go to the bathroom 16 times that night. Oh, that's it, you're, that's it, you're done. You're going to, you know, your uterus or your, uh, your, your urinary bladder tract is shot, you're done. You know, you, you, shut up <laughs> in Jesus' name. So if that's talking to you 24-7, how much do you need to say, by his stripes I am healed? Amen. By his stripes I'm healed. Every time your body says, oh, you're in pain, by his stripes I'm healed and I'm pain-free. Amen. Every time, you've got to counter. You've got to counter your body and counter the devil with the truth. Every time. And you've got to do it every time. 
Every time. Every time. Listen. You're going to sound stupid and retarded, and thank you, Lord. All day today, this is going to sound weird. All day today, there's been a spot right here. All day. It's been tingling and numb all day. Numb and tingly all day. According to medical science, that central sensation, and that is my body on overload, and that is a situation that will occur and continue to occur and only get worse and worse and worse uh, because my nervous system is shot according to medical science. Not according to the word. Nope. According to the word, in the mighty name of Jesus, you stop tingling and nerves, you function perfectly in the name of Jesus. Amen. Ten minutes later, it's still tingling and numb. Does that mean the name of Jesus doesn't work? Nope. No, Father, not, I thank you that I'm healed. Father, I thank you that my nervous system works perfectly in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that I'm healed and that there's no misfiring in my central nervous system anywhere because my nervous system is under the authority, power, and grace of heaven. Father, I thank you that the great physician is working on my side. Faith battle all day long. But unless I told you about it, you wouldn't know about it. Wouldn't know about it. But see, see, you got to understand, sickness will talk to you constantly, but you've got to talk back to it. You've got to build your faith. And I'll tell you right now, the devil whispered in my ear. We were sitting at the Mexican restaurant having lunch, and that thing flared up, started tingling and numb. And I said, I already talked to you. I said, I've already spoken to you in the name of Jesus. And the devil whispered in my ear just like he was sitting next to me and said, the name of Jesus isn't going to work for you this time. I said, baloney. I said, I've already commanded, therefore I already have. I don't have to speak to you again, Satan. See, you've got to be bold. You've got to learn these things. People were pressing Jesus. Right? Y'all got me off on this. I don't even know if we're going to even get to Luke. Uh, Luke 11. I mean, verse 11. Chapter 3, verse 11. Yep. And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him. And cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. Keep going. Oh, okay. And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. Listen, Jesus didn't go when the demon... You can get so anointed of God. You can get so full of God. You can have so much power of God that when you walk in the very presence where there's a demon uh, attached to somebody, that demon will cause that person to fall on their face and say, God is in this room. Yep. Brother Randy's talked about it. Thank God I have. On the one hand, I'm like, oh, thank God I haven't had people falling out in the store around me. On the other hand, I'm like, Lord, I look forward to that day. I mean, let's just be honest about it. And Brother Randy talks about how when he got out of prison and he was spending time in prayer, in prayer and different things, uh, you know, especially in his younger days of ministry, uh, he got so he get up in his prayer closet and come out faith man, so full of the anointing, and he'd go walking into the grocery store or department store with Miss Patty or something, and all of a sudden people would just start falling out under the power of God. Just falling out, just people demon oppressed and possessed, just falling out. And people panicking, calling 911. And he looked at Miss Patty and say, I'm causing this. We got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. That's what happened to Jesus. We're supposed to do what Jesus said. But here's the deal. You ain't going to get there if you're not spending time with him. Amen. Glory to God. See, all sickness comes from devils and demons. 
And all you have to do is know your authority, your power, your might, and humility. Now, just because somebody has sickness doesn't mean they have a demon. Let me clarify this. Just because somebody has sickness attacking their body does not mean that they have a demon in them or on them. What it does mean is that a demon has delivered a package of sickness. That's what it does mean, is a package of sickness has been delivered to the body. And now we have to exercise authority over it. So from this point forward, we're going to skip right here uh, because here it starts to talk about Jesus sending out, don't change pages, it begins to talk about uh, Jesus sending out the 12 and it lists and it names the 12 and what have you. And then I want you to look at verse 22. Verse, uh, verse uh, 21 says um, that, uh, his, that Jesus' friends or Jesus' family got wind that Jesus was, was healing the sick, casting out demons. People were falling at his feet saying, Thou Son of God. They heard this. They heard that Jesus was going to send out the twelve, and they said, Jesus has lost his mind, and the scribes and the Pharisees are going to come get him and take him to jail. Let's go grab a hold of him and get him out of here. That's what happens in verse 21. But look at what, what they say in verse 22. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub, meaning the devil. And by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. Now remember in Matthew I said, look at, hold on to that verse 34, because remember they said, He has the devil and he's casting out devils by the prince of the devil. They just said the same thing here. This is how we know we're talking about the same time period in Matthew and in Mark. This is how we know that all of these accounts go side by side. Is because he's talking to them about um, these devil the the the, Fer, the Sadducees and the Pharisees are accusing him of having the devil and casting out devils by the devil. Now let's go to Luke chapter six. I think we can get through Luke real quick. Maybe. Luke chapter 6. And let's pick up verse 6. Yes. So here in chapter 6, again, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. So here they're tra- Jesus and his disciples are traveling. What did we find out in Matthew? They were traveling from city to city, village to village. Here, they're traveling, and as they're traveling, they're picking the corn and the wheat off of the, off of the corn and the wheat off of the fields as they're going by. And the Sadducees and the scribes said, um, and the Pharisees said, they're not allowed to do that. What's the matter with you? And Jesus begins to deal with that issue. Um, but let's look at verse 6. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right uh, hand, it it runs together there. I was trying to figure out where the separation was. There was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he rose and stood forth. Then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do evil? 
to save life or to destroy it. And looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And they were filled with madness and consumed one with another that they might uh, with one and, and can oh excuse me commune not consumed okay and communed one with another that they might do or what they might do to Jesus. Glory to God. So here they are. So here Jesus is again. He's on the Sabbath. Here he is on the Sabbath again. He goes into that church, calls the man to the front. Now this time Luke tells us, being the doctor, that it's his right hand. His right hand. Well, the right hand, if he's a right-handed man, that's every, he does everything with the right hand. If you know anything about that culture, um, you know, me, me, uh, that, the Eastern cultures, uh, you did all your work and all your clean stuff with your right hand. You did the dirty stuff with the left hand. So if the right hand is withered, the left hand is mixing clean and dirty. So, there's, there's, so this, is, this, is a, this, is bigger, this is a bigger problem than just his hand doesn't function. This is a bigger issue than that. And uh, he told the man to rise up and to stand forth in the mist. Jesus asked him the question. He looked around. He told the man to stretch forth his hand. I'm just summarizing. And his hand was restored. Uh, let's, read, let's read on verse 11 and 12. Let's just read a All little right. bit more. And they were filled with madness and communed one with another that th what they might do to Jesus. And it came to pass in those days that he went out in, uh, into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Keep going. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. And of them he chose twelve whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, called uh, Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. And he came down with them and stood in the plain and the company of his disciple, in the company of his disciples, and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem, and from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Now, notice before it said in, in Mark's account, he said, get me a boat because there's so many people touching me. But here Luke said that many came to hear and to be healed, came to hear and be healed. So now we know that there was a mixed crowd. This happens all the time in the churches. There's a mixed crowd. There's people that are going to touch with a touch of curiosity. They just want to come to see the show, so to speak. But then there's others that are coming that they want to hear and heal. Now, notice that Jesus, that Jesus and his ability to heal people was not hindered by the touchers, by, by, the, by the ones that just wanted to see a show. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. All right. So notice it says here, it says, um, came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. So there were people that came to hear, and there were, so there were people that were just simply sick. They didn't have a demon attached to them. 
They didn't have a demon living in them. They just had a disease, and Jesus healed them. But there were also people that were vexed, vexed, which means that spirits were attached or spirits were living in or spirits were causing sickness. It says they were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. They were healed. So it doesn't matter if you why your sickness is there. Jesus can heal it. And, and it doesn't say that he cast them out, but they wouldn't have been healed if he hadn't cast them out. If he hadn't them cast them out. That's right. The whole multitude, notice it said the whole multitude sought to touch him. And here's why. For there went virtue out of him. That word virtue in other places in the Bible is uh, translated authority, power, and dominion. Virtue. So basically what they said is they said, they said they were wanting to touch him because there was a tangible power and authority that came out of him. Pastor Michael and I have been, um, been aiding in ministry lines. I've done the modesty drapes and, and gone with the pastors and, and stayed right with them. There's some th- things that happen in that uh, you're there to help make sure that the pastor or his wife doesn't pass out or trip or fall. You're there to give tissues. You're there to make sure modesty drapes are covered. You're also there to bring a supply of the spirit because the minister is pouring out of themselves. And when you're doing that, uh, if somebody has faith, uh, if there's somebody is operating in faith, a lot of times you will feel the power of God exit the minister and go into them and you'll even feel power go out of yourself because they're pulling on that power of god pastor michael uh talked about being an usher standing on the other side so there's the min- so the ministers on this side the person being prayed for is here the usher is here behind them there's no physical contact but they are also praying and bringing a supply of the spirit and they have said he has said that he has sensed the power of God go out of the minister and into the person or out of himself and into the person because that person is just pulling the power, just pulling the power, Um, and that's what it is. But notice here, um, so here we see that uh, Jesus um, healed the man with a withered hand. We see that that Jesus was teaching we see that the same cities that were listed here were listed in Mark's account. We see that uh, there were people that were healed of sicknesses. There were people set free of unclean spirits. Uh, we see that power was going out of him. Um, so this, we can clearly say that these are the same healings that, took, that we were looking at in Matthew and Mark. The other thing that we can look at is right above here, he listed the 12 disciples. It says, uh, he said, um, in verse 13, it says, And in those days he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, and they list them, and then he talks about the healing. Then Jesus goes right in to talking, um, starts to give some commandments here. And he began, after all the healing and everything, uh, Jesus begins to speak to his disciples and teach his disciples a while. What was Jesus about to do with the disciples? Go back to Matthew chapter 10. 
Matthew chapter 10. We're going we're gonna to just kind of tackle this just a little bit. No, because I want to show you that the man with the withered hand is in um, Matthew. So that you can see how, I want you to see how these timelines kind of go together. So at the end of Matthew chapter 9, we saw Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, the harvest is plenteous and the laborers are few. Another way, in other words, Jesus was looking out amongst all the people that needed to be taught, that needed preaching, and needed healing and deliverance. And he goes, there's only one of me. And Jesus said, there's only one of me. He said, y'all need to pray that the Father will anoint and empower others to go because I'm only one person and Jesus knew that he was only here for a season so after Jesus makes this observation and tells his disciples to pray for this we pick up in chapter 10 and in chapter 10 they name all of it says and when Jesus called together his 12 disciples look at what it says verse 1 he gave them what Power. Power. Against unclean spirits. He gave them power. Jesus gave the disciples power. Against, what kind of power? Against unclean spirits. To cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So Jesus looked at the 12 disciples, including Judas Iscariot. The betrayer. Including the betrayer. He looked at them and he said, I have all of this power. You've been watching me heal. You've been watching me see people. You've been watching me cast out demons. You've, been see, you've watched me cause this person to, to cut the blind to see and the dumb to speak. You've seen all of this. Now, the power that's in me, he said, now the power that's in me, I'm taking my power, and I'm going to bestow it upon you, and now you're going to go out, and you're going to do the very works that I do. Notice he said, to his, he said, I give them, he gave them power. What is that power? It's God's power and authority. And then he names them. We can skip down to five. And we can skip down to five. Look at what Jesus does. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely ye have received, now freely give. And we'll break this down and look at this more next week because I don't want to get hung up here. But notice what he told them. He said, go out to the Jews. Because at this point, the only reason he sent them to the Jews and only to the Jews is because at this point he had not yet been to the cross and, the, and healing to all of humanity had not yet been made available. But he told them, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, did you hear me? Right. Raise the dead. Raise the dead. I haven't done that one yet. Uh, I have. <laughs> Three times the Lord sent me to somebody that was, that was dead, essentially. I mean, they weren't dead, dead, no pulse, no anything. But they only science said, dead, you're dead. Days so, do doctors had already said, you're essentially dead. 
just go home and wait for the body to catch up with what's happening. And we went and God said, go pray for him. Remember Jairus? Remember when Jairus went to Jesus in Matthew's account? Remember he said to, me, he said to Jesus, my daughter is dead? And then later we found out that she wasn't dead, dead. She was still alive, but now she was dead, dead. <laughs> See, you can be dead and not be dead, dead. Uh, okay. Right, one foot in the grave. Right. Y'all understand what I'm saying. You, your body is on the way out, okay? There's no coming back. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. And then he goes through and he gives them a lot of instruction on how to do this and how to do that and what have you. Then we get, so at the end of chapter, through chapter 10, they all leave. Chapter 11, he's out, Jesus is out preaching on his own. And there's some more teaching in there to be had. And uh, he can he, uh, he he corrects some cities and he does some things, um, and we get to chapter twelve, and Jesus again. Uh, here we see where they're in where they're walking and they're eating the corn on the way, and the Pharisees come in and they get corrected. We just saw that in Luke, same time period, same time period. That's what I wanted you to see. It's the same time period. And then in verse 10. Verse 10. Let's pick up right here. In verse 10. And behold, there was a man which had his hand. Well, verse 9, he's in the synagogue again. Right. Uh, Chapter 12, verse 10. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, And if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then saith he to the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. All right, keep going. And charged them that they should not make him known, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man bear his or hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment and unto victory, and in his name shall the Gentiles trust. When when was brought into him one possessed then. with a devil, blind then. and dumb. Oh. Say what? Then. Oh then. then. Okay. Then was brought into him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? Okay. Now, at this point, we backtrack a little bit. Remember, uh, in, in the scriptures, not everything is always chronologically exactly the same. 
if you go back to, if you hold your place right here and go back to Matthew chapter 9, uh, verse 33, and it says, And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It has never been so seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casteth out devils through the prince of the devils. So here in, in um, Matthew 9, Matthew gives us a snippet. Because Matthew's trying to make the point of that he's healing everywhere. But then in chapter 12, Matthew backtracks and gives us some details. Here in chapter 12, he gave us the details of the man with the withered hand being healed. Not only was the man with the withered hand healed, but now he gives us some more information about this demon-possessed man. Not only was he dumb, as in he could not speak, but he was also blind. He could not speak and he could not see. Uh, and we see that in chapter 12, verse 22. It says, And when they brought, and then uh, they brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him in so much uh, that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. So Jesus cast the demon out, and now the man can not only see, but he can also speak. This is a massive, marveling moment. Now, how do we know that we've backtracked? Let's keep reading. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. Isn't that exactly what he said in chapter 9? It's exactly what he said in chapter 9. He, so Matthew is giving us more details. And they listen to the arrogance of that. He ain't casting out devils by God. He's casting out devils by the devil. Look at what Jesus replies. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Now I'll talk to you about, Jesus, about devils and demons for just a minute. Is 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 Satan's house not brought to desolation? Think about it. Satan, who was once Lucifer, is he not brought to destruction? He, is he not brought to devastation and dissolution? He is. He is. And, and, and uh, so his kingdom is already divided. His kingdom is already, it says, is brought to desolation. Satan's kingdom is brought to desolation satan can make himself appear as an angel of light he can remember uh moses's magicians matched aaron and moses miracle for miracle to a point remember he threw down his rod aaron threw down the rod and uh, pharaoh's musicians uh, magicians threw down the rod, and the snakes became, and they both became snakes, and one snake ate the other snake and all of that. See, Satan can, you need to understand this, Satan can match miracle for miracle like God. To a point, to a point, to a point. And they said, now they said, he's casting out demons by the demons. Now that sounds idiotic to us. 
But Satan's number one goal is to deceive. Yep. His number one goal is to deceive. So not every minister that operates in what looks like miracle power of God is miracle power of God. Sometimes it's miracle powers of Satan. And Satan is is revealing and exposing under demons to confuse and to blind and to um, deceive believers. How do you tell if it's God? How, do you, how can you tell if it's by the power of God or by the power of the devil? I'm so glad you asked. How do you tell? What is the focus on? Are they putting the focus on Jesus? Or are they putting the focus on self? Are they putting focus on Jesus? Or are they putting the focus on devils and demons? Or on the minister doing the casting out. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of demons. There's a lot of ministers. There's, there's ministers out there currently that are supposedly casting out demons by the name of Jesus. Okay? But what's happening looks like a carnival show. What's happening looks like a carnival show. This demon is giving me the name and address and phone numbers of this demon over here, and this demon's telling on this witch over here, and this demon's doing this, and this demon, I'm communicating with this demon, and this demon is exposing this demon over here. It's operating by familiar spirits. Jesus, didn't, Jesus did not confer with the demons and, and get the dirt on the demon on this guy over here. Jesus said, come out in the name of Jesus. See, that minister's doing exactly what the Pharisees were accusing Jesus exactly of Exactly right. He's, he's communing with these devils. He's not casting them out. He may appear to be, but he's right, not. But he's not. So I don't want, now here's the deal, I don't want Christians getting afraid that, oh my gosh, well I might get tangled up with a demon. No, I don't want you doing that. But here's the deal, the Bible clearly says that in the last of the last days, that there would be a great push, that there would be a great deception, and that many of God's elect would be deceived. Many would be. If it looks, I love how brother, if you haven't gotten his thing yet, his newsletter yet, Satanus Diablos, get it. At the end of it, he's, he, he's, he described it this way. He said, Christians need to stop listening to it and, and being taken in by carnival. Um, Jackie, go grab it for me. I want to get the wording right. It's right there on the table. Be quick like a bunny. Oh, she's, oh, she's got one. hers right here. How's he say it? She hadn't had the chance to read it yet. Carnival barking deceived preachers. If that preacher is putting on a carnival show and they're barking and doing a big show and shouting, ah! listen, putting on a big show, carnival barking deceived preachers. Jesus did not put on a show when he dealt with the devil. Jesus said, Jesus said, come out. When his disciples dealt with them, they said, come out in the name of Jesus. It was not a show. They didn't ask the demons for information. About other demons and other people and this and that and the other. Right. Yeah. No, we're not doing that. That's a carnival show. 
If you're, rap, if you're watching that stuff and paying attention to that stuff, you're being deceived. Jesus said, let's look at what he said. He said, and if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then, or how shall then his kingdom stand? And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. See, the, the children, the, the, there was a sect of Jews that their assignment was to, was to cast out demons in the Old Testament. That, that was their assignment. He said, if your children are casting out demons by the devil, uh, then if I'm casting them out by the devil, then who are they casting them out by? But I want if you will if you will guard your heart and you'll watch these if you'll watch these ministers that are being these carnival show ministers you'll find if you'll just be steady in the storm, watch them from a distance. Don't watch them close up. Watch them from a distance. You'll find in time Satan will take them down. You'll find in time Satan will take them down because his house is divided against itself. In time they will show to have problems happening. Because he's not really taking them out. They're, the demons are all just putting on a show for him. That's what's happening. It's all just a show. Now the demons are obliging them with the show. But it's still just a show. So how do you know that it's God? Because what is God will always point back to Jesus. The focus will always be on Jesus. The focus will not be on the demons the focus will be on the father god the lord jesus and the holy ghost it'll be the father that is lifted up it is the father that is lifted up here's another clue if they're all about your money it's another clue okay and i know we've talked a lot this morning we talked a lot tonight about demons in this healing school we've been talking about them but we have to talk about them because if we don't talk about them, you will be deceived. And no, God doesn't want anybody deceived. God doesn't want anybody in fear. We learned this morning that if you will say submitted to God and if you will resist the devil, the devil will flee from you as in terror. That's what that word flee means. It means he'll run away scared and in total shock and fear himself. The author of fear will run away in fear. You'll submit to God and resist the devil. Okay? So you need to know and you need to understand that there are deceiving signs and wonders and miracles being done. But if they're focusing on... If, if, I'm trying to get it across and I don't feel like I have, but if, if the minister is, is all about the demon, the demon, the demon, the demon, the demon, the demon, come to me and I'll set you free, I'll set you free, uh, he ain't setting you free of nothing. Jesus will set you free. Amen. Jesus is all you need. You don't need me to come cast a demon out of you. You need to sit down, get in the word, make yourself behave, and let the word deal with the devil. Because even the even the babyest Christian has the authority has the authority to and cast power. out a demon. That's right. Even if they don't have to know what they're doing, they have the authority. They have the authority, and if they're if they're following what God tells them to do, or the Holy Spirit tells them to do, it's going to work. It's going to work for them. You know, it's kind of like the rookie cop. How much you know the rookie cop 
has exactly the same authority and power as the as the uh, seasoned cops that's been yes. walking the beat for 20 years. They've got the same authority. The only difference is the rookie's not real sure how to use it, and the seasoned veteran is like, "This is easy. I got this. We got this. <laughs> like, just, let's just walk this out. Just walk this out." So again, if a ministry looks like a carnival show, if it looks like a carnival, it's not God. Glory to God. Amen. But Jesus' ministry did not look like a carnival. No. And our ministry doesn't look like a carnival, and your ministry is not going to look like a carnival. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. You got any cash? I left my stuff in the back again. I got to quit doing bit. this on Sunday night. Well, good. That'll work. I think. That'll work. Praise the Lord. We'll do. We'll sew it, and that'll be good. Glory to God. Oh, yeah, I got more. Oh, than he's I got more than he thought. Well, we'll just sew it all. All right. Just well, empty the wallet. Just you take know, it I out and shake it. That out of my own. <laughs> <laughs> just take it out and shake it. That's a joke from this week's meeting. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. You want to? You want to bless this as I sew it? Sure. <laughs> we sew it. I'm playing, honey. <laughs> Lord, I'm gonna sew it. Bless my sweet darling. Bless heart. <laughs> I need it, Lord. Thank yeah. you. Uh, Lord, we come to you tonight, and we're grateful for all that you've taught us. We ask that you help us to to uh, not forget it, that it fall on good ground, that it grow in our lives as we meditate on it and we tend to it, and it and it bear fruit in our lives, in the lives of those we come in contact with. Lord, we know that your word shall not return void, and that, that it will do great and mighty things, and we have but to listen and learn and to use it ourselves. Thank we thank you, you for your many blessings. We, we want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. And therefore, we give into your kingdom. We give with a grateful heart and a joyous heart. We give knowing that, that what, what we give will, uh, be, will be multiplied. And it will go further than we can ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your work. And Lord, we also know that you will re return into us a blessing for our offerings. And so that we can be a bigger blessing. So that we can do your work and give... As, as you uh, direct us, in Jesus' mighty name, we thank you. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Ministering angels, go. Cause the money to come, the increase to come, the protection to come. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you that the word is working. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, Wednesday night, we'll be back in the house. We're going to start a study on the book of Revelations. Oh, boy. Saturday, we've got, a, we've got prayer Saturday morning, and then Sunday, regular service.